You know, I've been praying for ears to hear and eyes to see, and that the Lord would speak into our hearts to progress and to learn and to grow. And, and it's been exciting the last couple of weeks. I love to share the Word. I love to get in the Word for us to grow. And I grow as you grow, and we grow together, and just exciting things that we grasp hold of in the Word of God. And, and there was something that even tonight, the Scripture that we're going to in Luke, the 12th chapter, that <clears throat> I was feeling tonight as I talked to different ones who have such a passion for the, for the presence and the strength and the love and the vision of, of God upon their, on their house, and I mean their, their home and their hearts, and, and this house. And this scripture here in Luke, the 12th chapter, when we're talking about revelation of God's will, and I've been talking to you about walking in the kingdom, and walking in the kingdom. And I have, you know, been part of denominational churches, and a denominational church nearly ran me out of town because I, I said, listen, it's, the kingdom of God is not just in heaven, it's here. It's here to be experienced. And there's so many people that are missing out on that. Really, the revelation of that, the reality of that, the experience of that. Because in God's kingdom is His passion, His love, His kindness, His heart toward us. Now, this, this scripture in Luke, the 12th chapter. Now, this is, uh, you know, Luke and Matthew have just two little differences in relaying the same message from the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Matthew 6, 33 is, is a, a very familiar scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. But, but Luke added a little something to it that he heard the Lord say. Now let's look over here in Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Now look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. For you to experience it, to you to walk in it, to, <laughs> to enjoy all the benefits of God's rule in your life and in, uh, all around you and your, 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 your livelihood and everything that you touch. It's God's good pleasure. God wants it as much as you do. He's not holding back. Y'all with me? We can walk in His kingdom and not wait for the sweet by and by. I shared with you last week, I think it was, that just to take note, the kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God, denote, kingdom of God denotes ownership and rulership. And we can have God rule and reign in our lives here in the earth today. Amen? Amen. Have the Lord Jesus Christ helping us to walk it out and walk in the kingdom. Now listen, 2 Peter has been our text, 2 Peter, the first chapter, with Peter saying this, he said, Wherefore, in verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you, though you know them. Now this is a, an amazing truth right here. You've got to get a hold of this. Though you know them and established in the present truth, though you've been walking in this church 20 years, <laughs> you know what the Word says. Your heart is established in the truth. But Peter said, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance. It's almost like if we said, well, I learned that. I heard that. You know, I don't, I don't you know, I got that. There, there's a difference between knowing it and walking in it, right? I, I have felt it sometimes that in, in me, it feels like, man, I need to get back to the simple things of the gospel, the simple things of life. Sometimes life gets hectic, gets so busy and so much going on that, man, I got to stay with the basics, 
Jesus loves me, this I know. (laughs) Amen. And he goes on, he said, I'll not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, even though you know them and you're established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or fit as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. To stir you up in the things that you know. To stir you up in the things that you're established in. Oh, glory to God. Put you in remembrance, knowing that shortly, he said, I must put off this tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus has shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Man, it needs to be in the forefront of our mind, our walk with God. And that God wants to give us the kingdom. It's his passion. It's his desire. He's not holding anything back. So Peter here, he's, he's saying he's going to remind us of the things that God has done for us and our responsibility to walk it out. Our responsibility to walk it out and what it does in our life. Now, I, I shared with you in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this progression of steps that bring growth into our lives, that these things be in you. They make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says. And through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where we gain all the promises and everything that pertains to life and godliness that has been given to us comes through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's yours. Blood bought and paid for. You have a God-given right, blood bought and paid for, to have everything that pertains to life and godliness to be functioning and operating in your life. Doesn't mean there's not going to be any hardships. Doesn't mean there's not going to be any challenges. But we be overcomers in reality. And that's what it needs to take place. Not just positionally. I say, yes, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus. What in reality is that what you are? Are you walking it out as such? Amen? Now, these, these stepping stones or this pathway of progression of growth is faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, or self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And these are the things that we've been going over. And I shared with you last week, too, that, that you're going to have to dive into these things because Pastor Austin doesn't have time to come and every, every week preach on each one of these for an hour, which he could do. It's almost like we're trying to prompt him, Pastor, you need to... <laughs> Just kidding. But we could do that every week and, and, and be teaching these things and it'd be, be right. Because we need to be growing in the things of God, right? We need to understand the Word. Have you noticed that all these steps, they take us from being what the world would want us to be to what God wants us to be? The world wouldn't want you to walk out these steps. The world wouldn't want you to walk in revelation knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's provision for your life. The world wants to mold you and make you, to fit you into a mold. And you know, the truth of it is, you're going to be molded into something. What will it be? We can be molded into something. And you know what? We have a, we have a choice of that. Our potential can always take us higher than when we are today. I wrote that down in my book. I had a professor at Bible college that gave me that. And he said, and I wrote it down in my Bible. My potential can t- always take me further than where I am today. No matter how far I am or how far you are, there's always more room to grow. Always more kingdom to experience. More light to see. Praise God. And God can, he can reveal greater qualities beyond what we could ever imagine or think. So let's pick it up. One of the, the first one we talked about was faith. 
Faith is uh, real Bible faith merely says about you what the Word says about you. What does God's Word say about you? Well, yeah, but I don't feel that way. It ain't about your feelings. <laughs> your feelings can de- deceive you, right? Some of us have had our feelings on our sleeves. It's about wore the hide off our arms being hurt so much. You know what I'm saying? Feelings jerk around. Your real Bible faith just says about you what God's Word says about you. Then we stepped into virtue. Listen, the, the truth of it is, after you believe God, and you start speaking the truth of God's Word of your, over your life. Here's what God says about me. Then there are decisions that have to be made for your life. According to God's Word and what God's Word says about me, what is it that I will decide to do with my life according to God's Word? What foundation will I stand on? What truth will I believe in? What God's Word says or what the world's trying to drive home? Humanity, right? Humanistic viewpoints and the deception of the world today. You know, I've been there, you know, with all these choices. How are you going to live your life? Now, I've been to that place. One of the reasons I went to New Mexico State University on a civil engineering scholarship. And after the second year, I stepped away for a time. I thought, you know what, I'm losing my, I'm losing my goals. I'm losing my, my idea of what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, it felt like, okay, I, I'm, I, when you begin to look at things, see, the Lord was dealing with me during that time. I had no ambition. I really had, I had no vision, no goals, no direction, no target to shoot at. I had the ammo, I had the arrows, I had the what it was, I had the smarts, I had the intelligence, but there was nothing to shoot at. I felt like I was just floundering and, and I needed to find my way. God was dealing with me and drawing me to Him is what was happening. You know, and when sometimes you feel like that and you feel like, man, I've, I've, I've got to make some right decisions. What decisions I'm making, they're heading me down the wrong road. Even as a saved heathen, <laughs> I felt like I was headed down the road. And y'all ever feel like you're a saved heathen? I mean, look and see if any wives are elbowing their husbands, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about you. <laughs> yeah, so. But this virtue is, is choices that are founded on and established on our faith in God. This type of virtue in our relationship with God. And, and you know what? Listen, this, if you're just starting your walk with God, or you decided to get something straightened out and try to get your act together, it's never too late to, to make quality, life-changing decisions for your life. Established on the Word of God. Established on the Word of God. Praise God. So, we've got to get, you know, you gotta, and, I, and I believe this. If you, if you please God in your faith, you'll please Him in your choices. So, I'm, gonna, I'm okay. I'm going to start walking according to the Word of God. Here's what God's Word says. Here's what I'm feeling, but here's what God's Word says. And it says it, and it's true, and I believe it. Even though I don't see it right now, you ever done that? You, I believe it's true, but I don't see it. But I'm going to believe it. If you please Him in your faith, you'll please Him in your choices. Praise God. And listen, these are all, they're all transforming activities in our, in our life. They all transform us. Proverbs, listen, one of my very favorite scriptures, Proverbs 8th chapter, if you'll go with me there. And listen, it's not... When you, when you talk about transformation, it's not transforming from something as much as it is to something. Transformed into what He has designed me to be. 
what he has desired and made available to me. And see, some of us can't even, it's almost beyond our imagination to think it could be so good. We've been experiencing the bad so long, you don't know what it's like to think I could be better. I could be more. Oh, my word. Now, Proverbs 8 is, is really one of my favorite scriptures when we're talking about the move of God and, and the, the things of God. It says in the King James, and I'm going to read a couple other translations, but the King James says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find out knowledge of witty inventions. Man, I love that. Man, I mean, I, uh, when I came across that scripture many years ago, when I would, I, I used to love um, industrial fabrication and design and troubleshoot things and think through things and build things and, you know, that sort of thing. And I thought, Lord, uh, witty inventions, that's what I'm praying for, Lord. How do I have the wisdom to go find that, you know? And, and listen, the thing that first, though, well... The, the thing was, when I started listening to the gifts of the Spirit and the, all the, the teachings on the gifts of the Spirit and the, the knowledge and wisdom and the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and, and all of those things, and I realized, okay, that, that the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge is factual. It just, God reveals facts to you. Are you with me? Facts. Now, let me give you an example of this, and because sometimes it's, it can be a little misunderstood. I, I was in the hospital once. <laughs> Once, way out in West Texas. And this lady comes in, and Kathy's in the hospital with me. And why she'd bring me such a dynamic word at that time, I just don't understand. <laughs> she came in, she said, I believe I got a word of the Lord for you. Okay, we're all excited. I'm a new Christian. I'm just newly filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm in the hospital. They said, word going to be, I'm getting out of here. You know, I, she said, the devil's going to come and destroy your marriage through your kids and your finances. I thought, man, that's like a... Uh, <laughs> I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't receive that. Now, I believe he could if I let him. Now, listen, understand this. She felt like she got a clear word from the Lord. Now, it might have been just a factual word that the enemy was going to attack us and would desire to destroy us. She should have been listening for the rest of the word. That's not a prophetic word. A word of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the definition is defined in 1 Corinthians 14. Right? But see, but I always thought, okay, word of knowledge is facts. And word of wisdom is what I do about it. Your, your life is a mess. <laughs> your my life is goofed up. But let me give you a little wisdom. Here's what you need to do about it. Here's what's going to get you on the right track. I always saw that, you know what I'm saying, in the word of knowledge and the gifts of the Spirit moving. But when I'm looking at just this kind of knowledge and wisdom, it's different. Because wisdom, I always thought knowledge had to come before wisdom because wisdom can't function without knowledge being revealed. Are y'all following me or am I just, I'm just stumbling here. But then this word talks about the wisdom of my life, the wisdom that it takes to make decisions, the wisdom of discovering things in the Lord and in this life. Wisdom knows where to find knowledge for witty inventions. Oh, praise God. Okay. Some of you are not getting this. Let me, okay, let's look at the New Living Translation. I, it's it's going to get better. <laughs> I, wisdom... I live together with good judgment, decisions, virtue. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. Oh, praise God. Listen to yeah, Google. 
<laughs> okay, y'all cut that out. Now cut that out of the message. <laughs> the Living Bible. <laughs> you can rebuild a whole car through Google. Um, but proper choices, they stem from your faith in God. Now listen to the Living Bible. Wisdom and good judgment live together. For wisdom knows where to discover knowledge and understanding. Wisdom knows where to gain knowledge and understanding. So I believe that wisdom comes from the Word of God. I believe we can gain wisdom from the Word of God, listening to God's wisdom. And wisdom will show me how to make right decisions. I'll know where to gain what I need. Does that make sense? Yes. Praise God. Now, that transformation of making those decisions takes us even to the next level uh, when it goes from knowledge, revelation knowledge, to temperance. And I shared with you a little bit about that and my, my experience in that because of consequences. Let me read the definition to temperance. It says, moderation in action, thought or feeling, self-restraint, a habitual moderation in the indulgence of appetites or passions, moderation in or abstinence from the use of intoxicating substances. That's quite a definition. We just call it self-control down here in Texas, right? <laughs> but you know, when you look at that, uh, knowledge helps us, helps to produce or generate self-control. I, I look at, you know, revelation knowledge as the shock collars of the spirit. <laughs> I'm not one of those goofy suckers I see on, on, on Google or these or YouTube where they put that dog shock collars on. Let's just see if this works. Goofballs, man, I'll tell you. And they bark and they fall on the ground flopping, you know. I realize that's going to hurt. I ain't going to do that. I have revelation knowledge that that hurts. <laughs> and the revelation knowledge, you know, knowledge informs us of the consequences and the results in self-control. But on the positive note, the revelation knowledge gives us that if we walk according to Him and trust Him, He'll guide our steps. He'll direct our paths. And my, my self-control can be directed toward God and the re find results in the things of God. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 29, 18, very familiar scripture. Where there's no vision, my people perish. Another translation, the NIV says, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraints. Where there's no revelation, the people will cast off restraints. There'll be no self-control. There'll be no temperance. You just do whatever feels good. And that's not good. Temperance is just part of the Christian life. And listen, go to 1 Corinthians 6, 12. There are some things that will hurt you. There's some things that will harm you. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Great passage of Scripture. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Expedient means it's not to my advantage. All things are lawful for me, but it, not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Because there are some things that may be lawful, but they'll hurt you. They can control your life. you got to get a grip of this. you got to see this. I, I, I'm cautious as I step through some of these areas in people's lives. To say, I've made this decision for my life because I saw how that controlled my life. And boy, some people, they bow up, man. Their hackles get up when you talk about that. Okay, go experience it. Listen to uh, that in the Living Bible. Even if I, listen to this, this is so good. 
even if I am allowed to do them, I will refuse to if I think they might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. Come on now. Come on now. Fix and invade into your world now if you're listening to the Lord. Some lawful things become so strong that they begin to control your life. You follow me? And you, now listen, you can answer that for yourself. I've seen people that were gamers. You know, it's okay to play games online. It's okay to play those games. Work your thumbs, play the games. Okay? <laughs> Some people can get so consumed with them, they control their lives. My, young, my youngest son, AJ, he worked with an old boy that, that in his job, he would come home from work and almost stay eight hours on the gaming. Go to bed, get up, go to work, come home and game. Go to bed, go to work. And he had a split marriage and he was, would share time with his daughter, supposed to come stay with him. But while she's with him, he's up there gaming. It is an addiction. Are you following? Okay, let me go out there. Everybody say, I love, I love Pastor, Stan. Pastor Stan. And I mean it. I mean okay, okay. <laughs> okay, we'll see. <laughs> When Now listen, boy, I may never get on the stage again, but I got you for tonight, so. Now listen, when I gave my life to the Lord, you know, um, the night that I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was saved at 13, got filled with the Holy Ghost at, at 21. But the night I got filled with the Holy Ghost, life changed for me. I had a fire and a boldness in my heart never felt before. I realized I had encountered Jesus in like a full mode, man. I mean, he's real. He's not a myth. He's not a fable. This is real. And from that moment, March 23rd, 1976, around 9 to 10 o'clock p.m. that night, when I really had this encounter, all I want to do is follow Jesus. Now, see, I was a mess before that. I, you know, when roughnecking, you, any roughnecks in the house that would admit it? <laughs> That's some rough life, man. We'd go out and work eight hours, maybe 16 hours on two different rigs, buy a case of beer, go home and drink that case, and turn around and do it again the next day. Just drink, drink. But I was a mean drunk. All I want to do is fight. Are y'all with me? I'm admitting that. This, I hope, can we cut this stuff out of the tape if they... Because <laughs> y'all said you loved me a while ago. You may not love me now. But that night I, even, I gave up drinking because I associated it with my old life. And I was one of those that couldn't, I didn't want to just drink one, I wanted to drink half the case. Are y'all with me? Now, let me say this. You know, you see people in the Bible who would take a little drink for your infirmities or, you know, yeah, you got an infirmity, but I don't think you're sick. I think, <laughs> anyway, you know, I just, <laughs> I got to be careful here. But it can get a hold of you and control your life. There's people who have ruined marriages and ruined homes and lost their jobs because that lifestyle, they became addicted to it and they, it controls their, their whole life. Are you with me? I, I'm just trying to reach for a good example. But you know your life and you know the things that may be controlling your life. You know, it's, you can say, listen, that drink is not going to send me to hell. 
But it could cause you to lose your job and lose your marriage and lose your... Are you with me? If it consumes your life, I'm just using that as an example. There's so many other things. You know me. I've used Mountain Dew as that example. Because I could get up first thing in the morning and roll over in bed before I get out and drink a cold Mountain Dew. I'd want a little refrigerator right by my bed. Reese, I'd want one right by my bed. Just over and open that door and hey, that'll get me started for the day. I'd drink that cold Mountain Dew, man, about 9 o'clock or nothing, about 12, about 3 Whew, there's nothing better than a, it. It gets to me now just thinking about it. It feels so. <laughs> is there a Mountain Dew in the house? No. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Peppers? That Mountain Dew ain't going to send me to hell, but it might send you to heaven a lot quicker. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, get real. Think about those things. Think about, I've got a renewed spirit. I've got a spirit that's alive unto God, but I've got to control my tongue. And these all these kids saying, cussing's all right. He ain't going to send me to hell, but it might get your mouth washed out by your mama with soap. Are y'all following me? So you find what in your life. What does it apply to your Don't you want to be free of the things that might bind you from living in God's kingdom to the fullest? I'm not saying you've got to be some kind of a well, I don't know, you know, fanatic nutcase that, you know, he'd be. I still love going to the movies. I love doing things. You know, I don't like hearing all the junk in those movies, but I, I, I'm, okay, I'm a normal person, so <laughs> I think I've wore that out. But I think about this. How can you be an overcomer if something is controlling your will? See, the drinking for me was controlling my will. I became mean. I go to parties, and that's all we do is just end up in fights. Are y'all with me? That's not a good thing. I don't need that. I don't need that. And I gave it up, not because I didn't like it, because I wanted to live for Jesus, and that was my old man. That was my old life. And I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, so I'm just using that one example. Okay, is everybody still love me and mean? Okay. Because <laughs> listen, think about this. Now listen, wait, wait, wait. Here's the other one. Self-control. Your temper. Oh, but I got red hair, man. I'm Irish. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> That's your crutch. Okay. All right, okay. You're not having reverence for God if you're having a wall-eyed fit. Are you with me? <laughs> okay, I can, I'm going to wear that out. That's not going to send me to hell, but your wife might beat the hound out of you. <laughs> you, you ain't going to win. <laughs> Come on, man. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You ain't going to win. I tried. Man, y'all, I... I, I well, I just throw these notes away. I, I, let me give you an example. <laughs> you know, you young married folk, you think you got it all figured out. You'll try anything to win that argument. I, I saw, this ain't even in the message, but it's all right. Listen, I, I, uh, this will help somebody. I saw Harrison Ford in a movie one time. It worked for him. Okay, okay. He said, that's enough, that's enough. And you know, his face is all like this. Well, I thought I'd try that. <laughs> it don't work. <laughs> That's like 
throwing fuel on the fire, dude. Y'all know my wife? Well, I learned quickly that didn't work. Where am I? Okay, listen. If you don't have self-control, how are you ever going to have patience? Now listen to the definition of patience. Bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. Not haste or impetuous. Steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Listen, you know, some people think maturity just comes with age. Mm. Maturity is a patient, forbearing person under pressure. I believe that pressure exposes immaturity. And you're definitely going to get some pressure in life in your Christian walk. James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now listen to this. Perseverance or patience must finish its work. Patience is doing something for you. This type of patience. It's accomplishing something for you and in you. It says perseverance must have finished its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Patience is a doorway to maturity. It's a doorway to completeness, to experiencing God's kingdom, God's love, God's patience. Let me, you know, and so much of the time when you, when you can view the potential of God's world and get the big picture, that changes your attitude about the things that you must do to get there. Are you with me? I loved football and played football, eat, sleep, and drink football in high school. And when I saw the potential of the weight training and the drills and all of those things that you had to do through the summer and through off-season and all that, I was more than willing to do it. I was gung-ho. And it paid off. And when you see the benefit of God's Word working in your life, and you trust God, and God says, trust me. Trust me herewith, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, you can't even contain it. Be faithful in your finances, faithful in your time, faithful in your talent. Trust God and see His hand working in your life. And I, you know, the truth of it is, if this Christian walk were a bed of roses, anybody could do it. But things are going to happen. There's something in this life that's trying to knock you off course. You have an adversary. And listen, fruit cannot be harvested in your life. Without patience. You want to have fruit, God's fruit in your life? It'll never be harvested without patience. I mean, you can do all the right stuff. You can till the ground. You can plant a seed. You can water it and still miss the harvest. You go digging that plant up. Go digging that seed up. Is it doing anything? Is it doing anything? You can still miss the harvest. Amen? Look at the Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. It says, For you have need of patience, that after, everybody say after, after, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Most people want it the other way around. God, you keep blessing me, and I'll keep serving you. 
As long as you keep treating me right, Lord, I'll keep following you. Lord, as you keep blessing me, I'll keep showing up. Are y'all with me? No, God says, listen, you follow me, you do my will, and you have patience, and you'll see the blessings of the Lord. Oh, praise God. Now listen, patience has something about mixing all these previous steps and accomplishments and bringing them toward the next step of godliness. Godliness, having, showing, or expressing reverence for a deity, spiritually whole or sound, of unimpaired innocence and virtue, free from sinful affections, pure in heart, godly pious, irreproachable, guiltless, acceptable unto God. Expressing reverence for God. Now, I said that a while ago that, listen, if you're having a wall-eyed fit, you ain't expressing reverence for God. You're not even thinking about the consequences. And when you're having a wall-eyed fit and you're in fight with your wife or your husband, you ain't thinking about their, that marriage. You ain't thinking about the consequences. Right? Godliness. Godliness is really an attitude of Christ-likeness. I'm trying to make this shorten the version of this. It's being spiritually sound. Spiritually sound. Sound in faith. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, and self-control, all those things. That's what godliness is, is being spiritually sound. And you're not going to get there without walking with God. And all these steps working up, it's not the way that you carry yourself. I'm godly. <laughs> Come on, man. It's not the way you carry yourself. It's the way you look at life and the way you look at other people and how you approach life. In a Christ-like attitude. I believe that the, the maturity and completeness that's wrought from patience brings us to this life, this Christ-like behavior of selflessness. You're getting your eyes off of you and onto what God wants. And listen, Jesus was a perfect example. All he did was want to please the Father. It wasn't about him. It was about God and God's desire, God's passion, God's will. He was here. He was godly. Oh, praise God. There's a couple of places in the Scripture, and, and, and many others. Let me just give you a couple. Psalms 32, verse 6. Write that down. The New American Standard Bible says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to thee in time when thou mayest be found. Let everyone who is godly pray to thee in a time when he can be found. Listen to, listen to the, the Living Bible. It's translated in another from the root Hebrew word, translated into another expression of that word. It says, now I say that each believer, each believer, he said he referred to him as God, each believer should confess his sins to God when he is aware of them. While there's time to be forgiven, judgment will not touch him if he does. Now see, I like to relate that and connect the word of God to this day, my day, my life. New Testament stuff. Y'all with me? Go to 1 John 1, 9. Very familiar scripture. Because this one said, let every believer confess his sins to God. Get it right with God. Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our, sin, our sins to the Father, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? So we can be who we are designed to be. We can be the righteous. We can be the godly. We can have Christ-like attitudes and walk with God and walk in His kingdom. Are y'all following this? Yeah. I, I think here we refer to Him as being godly. 
All you that are godly, confess your sins to the Father. If it, if it were about perfection, we never could get it right. But it's a Christ-like attitude. That means you can grow in maturity. There's preachers today that says none of us can walk godly. You don't understand the Word. Godly is having a Christ-like mental attitude and a, and a position where you look at life and you walk it out with God and be unselfish, built on faith, virtue, knowledge, and temperance, and so forth. Are you all with me? It's not about perfection. There's a strength in godliness that takes us to new levels of being like Christ Jesus. Okay, this scripture, I'm, I'm hurrying. 2 Timothy 3. This is, this is good. This is, you know, when he wrote Timothy, that was a long time ago. I mean, you think folks were like then like they are now? Hmm. Okay, let's see what he says. He says in verse 1, You should also know this, Timothy. New Living Translation. You should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days... Now listen, in the last days began when Jesus showed up. Okay? These last days last in a long time. Uh, I don't have time to take you those scriptures and show that. but He said, in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money... They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Does that sound like our world today? I'm thinking, wow, Lord, I see that lawlessness and those attitudes and that immorality and that hatred and evil stuff going on today all around us. Look at verse 5. They will act as if they are religious. Oh, you know what I first thing popped my mind when I read that? Politicians. <laughs> what? <laughs> That sounds like, but they will reject, listen, they will reject the power that could make them godly. If they would walk it out with God and get their hearts right and their lives right and become selfless, not selfish, and live for God, there's a power that comes with that. There's a power with these things that we implement into our life and begin to exercise in our life. There's a power that makes us Christ-like develops these things on the inside of us. Supernatural spiritual power. And he says, you must stay away from people like that. And I'm thinking, we're voting them into office. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, let's... I don't have time to get on that platform. You know, God's power can work in us to live godly before Him. In other words, in our Texas lingo, is just how to act right. Christ-like. He can do so much greater things in our life. Now, brotherly kindness, quickly, I'm going to just, I'm circling this plane, I'm going to land it. Brotherly kindness is basically loving others, not being self-centered. Listen, we really definitely need to grow in some areas before we can get to this place. Not be self-centered. Listen, all these, now listen, all these other building blocks up to this point, 
is dealing with the inward person. The faith, the virtue, the knowledge, the temperance, self-control. You know, the, all those things. That's dealing with the inward person. We need to get those developed toward we develop toward the outward person. And outward action. This brotherly kindness is talking about now our actions to others. Are y'all hearing this? They're dealing with the outward person. Now Galatians uh, 6, 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think that he's himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Look at verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burdens. But listen, I said, well, that don't make sense. I could bear mine, but I have to, have to bear his too. Well, in the Greek, the bear, my own burden means my task or my light load. There are certain things that God expects me to bear up and shoulder up and man up and do my part. But the word, the Greek word there, it says, bear you one another's burdens. It's a weight that takes you down. There are people all around us that they're bearing such heavy burdens, they can't bear it up. They can't shore it up. They can't carry it. And they need us to come alongside of them and help lift them up and say, you can do this. You can walk this out. You can overcome this challenge. You can conquer this thing in your life. It's taking them down and we need to lift them back up. Amen. How are you going to get there if it's all about you? But if you've built your life on these processes and, they build, and they're building something on the inside of you, that you begin to look at things differently, begin to look outward, not just inward, then you start looking to other people to help them walk it out. Oh, praise God. Okay, let's get to the last one because I've got to close this. Charity. Love. Now, this last one, when it, it's at the top of the list. Brotherly kindness, stepping in, exercising brotherly kindness develops love. Now, this takes me back to Romans 8, 28. And I started there two weeks ago, read that scripture to start out with. For we know, we know that all things work together for good. To them, that. That doesn't mean everybody. Okay. But to them, and I figure it's talking about me because I love God. <laughs> Everything works together good for them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. Work together for good. Now, remember last couple of weeks ago, we were being honest when we said, you know what? Some of us don't look so good. Are y'all with me? Yeah. I mean, when I first gave my life to the Lord and, and really started walking with Him and doing my best to do good <laughs> and walk it out, some of my experiences weren't so good. I said, Lord, now, now this don't make sense. You're saying it's all going to work good to me and this ain't good. This pain, this torment, this loss. And that's when he took me to 2 Peter. And then, when, you know, I got that little Strong's out. I mean, that, that little, you know, that little, yeah, that little Strong's. And I realized in the King James, and, and listen, you guys are the King James only. Don't get offended at me, okay? Okay. Because I, I cut my teeth on King James, all right? I got more notes in my King James Bible than I got any of the rest of them. But it, one thing that it doesn't show you in the King James, it'll say love, but it doesn't tell you what kind of love in all these different places where it mentions love. And I found that there are so many different kinds of love. There's a phileo love. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You be my friend, I'll be your friend. There's the eros love, the passion, the sexual, and all those things. And then there's agape love. And agape love is the God kind of love. And then when I saw that and I looked at this verse... When it says, for those who agape God, 
Those who agape God, all things are going to work to their good. And I thought, whoa, that's a different level. That's when God took me over to 2 Peter and said, you can get there. You can walk it out. Because that love, that, that last step, when you go from brotherly kindness to love, that word there is agape love. It just doesn't happen automatically. It's born out of a foundation of faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control. It's born out of your structure of your life built on God so you know what it's like to love God without Him doing anything. That's like saying, God, if you never do another thing for me, I'm going to love you anyway. If everything around me starts falling down around my ears, God, I'll trust you and in all things give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. Lord, and listen, we've been, we've been through hard times. We've been through hard times, Kathy and I. We've lost everything. And I remember Kathy, that scripture came alive in her heart. And I said, Lord, she said, Lord, I give you thanks for this. I give you thanks for this old Uncle Buck car. Y'all know what an Uncle Buck car is? <laughs> Anybody over 30 or 40 might know what that is. Lord, I give you thanks that, I'm, that this house that we're living in, we're not accustomed to living like this, even the fleas in the carpet. Lord, I give you thanks because you're working something great for me. And she thanked her way into blessings. She praised her way into blessings. She agape God. It's a God kind of love, structured and based and founded on all of these things, these steps in God. And you've got to build that, and you can have that in your life. It's rooted in all these different things that God has laid out. And God said, if you have these things in you, they make you, they develop you in these situations. So, so what it is, is when we look at these situations, when things come at us, circumstances happen. Listen, get ready, because circumstances happen. Hard th challenges come. But what happens is, is the circumstances stop dictating to us. We start dictating to the circumstances. So you're going to work to my good. God's got a plan. I know this hurts. This is painful. This is not good. But God's got a plan for my life. God's working behind the scenes when I don't even see anything going on. You got to trust God in all things. Give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding because sometimes you ain't going to understand it. I mean, maybe most times you ain't going to understand it. But it says, trust the Lord with all of this. And don't lean to your own understanding. Trust me, God is still in control. And when you, hey, listen, it's all about, this is my mindset. If God's going to do something good for me, i got to give him something to work with. Come on. i got to give him something to work with. And that's my faith and my trust and my love, and my passion, and, and my, my determination to walk it out, right? All things work to your good because you're working in God and God's working in you and it's going to work out. And you're getting tired of these circumstances. You're going to start dictating your circumstances. They won't dictate to you. That's his promise to us. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is good.